Well, today we're going to continue with our message series, or we're going to conclude our message series that we've been in, Spirit-Empowered Living. We've been looking at uh, some topics from the book of 1 Corinthians, and today our message is entitled, The Blessing of Spiritual Gifts. So what are spiritual gifts? Well, spiritual gifts are, are supernatural expressions of the Holy Spirit through the lives of individual believers. That's you and me. And these spiritual gifts are God's way of blessing his church. Now, in Old Testament times, only certain people were able to operate in some of the spiritual gifts. For example, Elijah and Elisha, they had a gift of working miracles. And you read of many miracles that they did in their lives. Uh, other prophets had the gift of prophesying. And some of the prophets, they're... Their words are written down in the scripture. There were other prophets in the Old Testament whose words were not written down in scripture. They were not part of God's word for all time. Now, in the New Testament times in which we are now living, everything really has changed with respect to spiritual gifts. Peter preaching on the day of Pentecost, he quotes the prophet Joel to explain what had happened on that important day, the day of Pentecost. He said in Acts 2, verse 17, in the last days, it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters will prophesy. And so in the last days, which is the time that we are living in, don't let somebody tell you the last days in the future. The last days began when Jesus rose from the dead, and they're going to continue until he returns again. Peter, on the day of Pentecost, was living in the last days, and we are still in the last days. Now, in the last days, God was going to do something different. In order to receive the promise of the Father, God was going to pour out His Spirit on not just one or two, not just a few prophets, but on everybody who was open to receiving that Spirit. In order to receive the power to minister in spiritual gifts, Jesus taught us that a believer must be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, that was something new. That had never happened in the Old Testament. No one had ever been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Jesus told his disciples in Acts 1, verse 4, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And so spirit baptism is available to every believer. It was available to every believer from the day of Pentecost on till today, and it's going to continue to be available until Jesus returns again. It's God's gateway for moving into spiritual gifts. Now, spiritual gifts have two main uses. We're going to talk most about the first one today, it has to do with ministering to the church family, ministering in a church context, building other believers up. Secondly, spiritual gifts can be used to provide power for witnessing, to impact the lives of the unbelievers that are all around us. Jesus said in Acts 1.8, respect to this, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses. Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And so the Spirit's power released by being baptized in the Holy Spirit enables us to be bold, Spirit-filled witnesses to those around us for Jesus. 
Now, as we go through the book of Acts, we see that God desires for every believer to be, once they put their faith in Jesus Christ, to be baptized in water and to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, the evidence that a person has been spirit baptized is that they, that they speak in a language that they've never spoken in before. The Bible calls it speaking in tongues. What are, that? What are speaking in tongues? It's simply communicating with God in a language you've never learned before. It's something unique. It's something special. It never happened in the whole of the Old Testament. And it began on the day of Pentecost. And the power of tongues enables a believer to pray a perfect prayer in keeping with God's will. Because the Holy Spirit is praying through us as we pray in an unknown language. And that prayer, Paul tells us in Romans chapter 8, will always be answered because it's prayed through the Holy Spirit, working through us, praying through us. And so it is a wonderful, incredible blessing that God has made available to us today. And so today we're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians 14, chapter 14, one of several chapters in the New Testament that's all about spiritual gifts, particularly within the church. And so spiritual gifts are given to build up the church. Let's begin in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1. And it says, Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. And so this important chapter on spiritual gifts begins with an instruction, begins with a command to every believer to do what? To earnestly desire spiritual gifts. It's not a suggestion. It's, it's really not an option. Now, allowing God to use you in spiritual gifts is not automatic. Even if you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, it's not an automatic thing. God works in cooperation with our human will to cause us to operate in spiritual gifts. Now, what does it mean to desire earnestly spiritual gifts? Well, it means to well, have the desire. If you have the desire, you're going to pray. You're going to ask God for the things that you desire and be the willing, have the willingness to receive what God has for you. So in this chapter, Paul is going to contrast two spiritual gifts. And it's going to help us learn about both of them. One is the gift of tongues. The second is prophecy, the gift of prophecy. Now, tongues, as we've said, is, as Paul says here, is praying to God, speaking to God. It's a language of prayer, but it's speaking in a language that you've never learned. If I speak in tongues or when I speak in tongues, I'm not speaking in English. English is the only language I know. I am not multilingual. Even though I took German in college, I know Dunkashane. That's, that's all I know. Uh, uh, What's the other one? Ich liebe dich, I think, means I love you. That's my command of German. So, uh, but speaking in tongues is speaking in a language that you, you don't know. And so in this chapter, Paul's concern is what type of spiritual gift would be most appropriate at building up the church. Now, from what we've already said, well, speaking in tongues, if I'm up here speaking in tongues, is that going to help you understand anything? 
Probably not, because it's going to be speaking in a language you don't understand. It's going to sound like gibberish to you, in a sense, just as if someone is up here speaking Chinese, it would have no, well, maybe you speak Chinese, I don't. It would have no meaning to me, um, probably to most of you either. So Paul writes, uh, what is the difference then? So we're going to learn that that's probably not appropriate. Well, it's not appropriate. We're going to learn that's the Paul's instruction. But what about prophecy? Verse 3 says, on the other hand, he's contrasting tongues with prophecy, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. And so the spiritual gift of prophecy is different than the gift of tongues. In prophecy, the speaker is speaking with a unknown language that everybody understands. In our case, that would be English. The purpose of prophecy in a church is to build people up. It's to encourage people. It's to educate people. It's to comfort people. Now, after saying that, you think, well, what is the use of tongues? Maybe tongues has no value. Well, not at all. Paul writes in verse 4, the one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself. But the one who prophesies builds up the church. And so they have different purposes. They have uh, different uses. When a believer speaks in tongues on his own, he builds himself up. He edifies himself. He helps himself grow spiritually. How is that possible? Because he's communicating with God. And God is communicating with him. In other words, speaking in tongues privately enhances your spiritual growth. You're allowing the Holy Spirit to pray through you according to the will of God. On the other hand, somebody who prophesies in a known language builds up the church. So everybody can understand what God is saying through the person who is prophesying. God speaks to us in a, way, in a special way. And so Paul is instructing the church at Corinth and the churches of all ages, including our church, how to use these two gifts to the most effective use in a church. Now, the book of Acts makes it clear that God desires for every believer in Jesus to be water baptized as a believer and to be spirit baptized. If you haven't been spirit baptized yet, I would encourage you to seek God for it. We have a book on our table. I didn't bring one in for reference, but there's a book called Power for Life. Uh, it's a recent book written about uh, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, learning about it, what the Bible has to say about it, how you can receive it. I'd really encourage you to, to pick up that book. It's free and read it and seek God for that. Uh, it's going to help you understand. A number of people in our church family have been baptized in the Holy Spirit after reading the book, and uh, it's just a... It's, it's really one of the best books on the topic uh, that I've seen. But spirit baptism is not the end. Uh, it's the beginning of walking in the blessing of, of spiritual gifts. Now, everyone who's been baptized in the Holy Spirit uh, does have the gift of, of tongues, a personal, we would call it a personal prayer language of communicating with God. And I would encourage you to, to pray in tongues every day. When you spend your time with God, if you've been spirit baptized, pray, well, pray with your mind. Uh, we're going to talk about that more, the things you can understand and pray with your spirit. And as you do that, you're going to grow and you're going to see 
more and more answers to your prayers. Uh, it's a wonderful gift. You know, every, every gift that God gives to us has great value. You think this is the God of the universe. He's offering gifts to us. They have great value. And we need to desire and receive the gifts that he has for us. Salvation is a gift, but God has gifts beyond salvation for us. They're important gifts that God wants us to receive. Now, as we've read already, God wants us to desire spiritual gifts. And he says, especially the gift of prophecy, because that builds up the church family, not uh, all the people that hear the word of God. And so God wants to use more and more of us to operate in the spiritual gifts and so build up our church family and minister through the Spirit. Let's go on to see what he has to say in verse 13. He says, Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So from what we've seen already, you might think, well, tongues has no place in a church service. But there is a way for tongues to build up others in a church service. And here Paul lets us in on that. There's another spiritual gift. A number of the spiritual gifts are mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, which we're not going to be going over today. And that is another gift there mentioned is the gift of interpretation of tongues. So tongues is an unknown language. But there is another gift that would allow someone to interpret those tongues into a known language. God gives that gift uh, as he wills, as he desires for those who speak it. In fact, he says, you should pray. Here's another example. Some people say, well, if God wants to give me the gift, he'll give it to me. Well, here's another example. If you speak in a tongue, pray that you may interpret. Ask God for that spiritual gift. And when we ask according to God's will, he gives us the answer to those prayers. And so, those who are spirit baptized, who speak in tongues, should pray that God would give them that gift of interpretation of tongues. Now, Paul gives us some general uh, considerations in verse 15. He says, what am I to do if I'm confused about all this? I, he says, I will pray with my spirit. That's, that's praying in tongues. And I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit. You can sing in tongues. And I will sing with my mind also. And so it's not one or the other, is it? It's both. That's the best of all worlds. It's both speaking, praying in tongues, speaking, praying with our minds in English. We are to do both. In the same way, never tried it before, you can sing in tongues, just as you can sing in English. You can praise God that way, and you can sing with your minds. We are to do both. Now, Paul writes in verse 18, Paul is arguably the greatest apostle who's ever lived. Uh, I think that's pretty much accepted. He was used mightily of God in establishing the church, and uh, and writing most of the New Testament. He writes in verse 18, he says, I thank God I speak in tongues more than all of you. Nevertheless, in church, I would, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct 
others than 10,000 words in a tongue. So, Paul is saying, don't get this wrong. Just because it's not appropriate to speak in tongues without interpretation in a church doesn't mean it has no value. I myself speak in tongues more than all of you in this church at Corinth who were speaking in tongues when they shouldn't have been. <laughs> and he was doing it where? In private. It's probably what Paul did all the time when he was traveling, when he was going places. He was praying in the Spirit. And that is one of the things, probably one of the primary things that gave him the power of God to accomplish the things that he did in his ministry. But he said, in the church, I'm not going to just blur out in unknown tongues because no one will understand what I say. In the church, I'm going to speak, I'm going to instruct in a language that people can understand. And Paul, he said he thanks God for the gift that he had and that he was using uh, on a daily basis, on a regular basis. In church, though, we must speak and pray in understandable languages. And we're going to get even more detailed instructions as we move on in what Paul is writing to give us the information here about tongues in the church. So let's talk a little bit more about prophecy in the church. Prophecy right here uh, in Life Church. Well, prophecy is a message that God gives someone to speak to the church family. The message, Scripture tells us, should be one of edification or building people up. Uh, it should be one that may comfort people. It could be one that encourages people or can do all three at once. That should be the primary focus of prophecy in the church family. We regularly have prophecies given at Life Church. A prophecy is different than prayer. Prayer is what? Speaking to God. A prophecy is God speaking through a, a person, through a believer, to the church family. Prophecies um, can be understood by everyone. They can be taken to heart. They can be put into application by both believers or even unbelievers at times. A prophecy could also include words of wisdom, words of knowledge. We're not going to get into the other gifts of the Spirit uh, mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12. Now let me say that prophecy is not adding to the written word of God. Uh, this is not, when somebody gives a prophecy, it's not tacking something on the book of Revelation. It's not an authoritative word as the written word of God is. Uh, in fact, we're, we're going to see, Paul's going to give us some criterion for judging prophecy. whether a Because there can be true prophecy and there can be a false prophecy. How do we know the difference? We're going to get into that in a few minutes. So we're going to look at some more instructions that Paul gives regarding prophecy. Uh, both tongues and prophecy in the church. We need to exercise proper judgment. He writes in verse 27, If any speak in a tongue, let there be only two, or at most three, and each in turn, and let someone interpret. But if there is no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in church and speak to himself and to God. So Paul here is telling us how tongues can be properly used in a church setting. They must be interpreted in a language that all can understand. There's a limit on how much uh, tongues in a church 
can be used. Now, we don't know exactly what was going on in the church at Corinth, but if you read everything, we get the impression that they would gather together and everybody would just speak in tongues at the same time. And maybe that was almost their whole church service. And Paul, in some verses we didn't read, says, you know, if somebody comes in and all you, everybody's speaking in tongues and this person isn't even saved, they're going to think you're all crazy. And he said, that's not a good thing. Uh, and so he's giving instructions as how it can be used properly to edify, to build up people. So interpretation of tongues is another spiritual gift. And so if someone gives a message in tongues, that message in tongues can be interpret, interpreted into a language everybody can understand, in our case, English. It could be interpreted by two different kinds of people. It could be the person who speaks in the tongue can provide the interpretation if he has that gift. Or it could be somebody else in the church family who has the gift of interpretation, who regularly does it, could do it also. Now, if you're not aware that anyone present has that gift and you don't believe you have the interpretation for the tongue you might feel prompted to give, you should keep silent. There might be times where God says, I give you, I'm giving you a message in tongues. You think you have that? And he's given you the interpretation as well. And then you can speak it out and you interpret it. And we've had that happen a number of occasions in our church. Now, Paul adds at the very end of this verse, it doesn't mean you shouldn't speak in tongues, but you speak to yourself privately. Keep on doing that. It's just, it's not a proper thing to speak out in your private tongue when there is no interpretation in church. Messages in tongues in a church service should be limited to two or three, not to dominate the entire service. Uh, it should be done properly and in order. The same is true with prophecy in verse 29. Let two or three prophets speak and let the others weigh what is said. So first of all, prophecies in church shouldn't dominate the whole service. It should be two or three that should speak. And those who hear the prophecy should weigh what is said. Some translations say judge what is said. What's that all about? It means that we should check the prophetic word when someone believes God is speaking through them with what? With the word of God. Does it agree with the word of God? Now, it's not necessarily going to be in the Bible, word for word, but are the principles, are the things that are being expressed consistent with the word of God? If it is, then it's something we should take to heart. If it is not, then that should be brought out as well. What is in accordance with God's word should be heeded. That which is contrary should not be accepted. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that uh, as we go on, how that operates here at Life Church. Verse 31 says, for you can all prophesy one by one so that all may learn and all be encouraged and the spirits of the prophets are subject to prophets. So we began with 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1, that everybody should desire to prophesy. So if you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, 
it's possible that you could prophesy if you seek it and you pray. So everybody has the potential to be used in prophecy. And of course, that can happen in a church service like this. It can happen in a small group. In fact, it can happen one-on-one. -on -one. It can happen in many different areas of our lives. And so be open to that, not just open, be seeking it in your own life that God would speak through you. The end result here, it says what's going to happen when people prophesy? Well, people are going to learn. They're going to learn something from God, and they're going to be encouraged. So the prophetic word in tongues and interpretation should be done in an orderly manner, not interrupting the rest of the service. Now, the very last part of this verse is interesting. It says, the spirit of prophets are subject to prophets. Now, here a prophet is somebody who's, a prophet is somebody who's giving a prophecy. Um, in other words, if, God, if you feel God is giving you a word to speak, uh, there have been times when people say, I've got, a, I've got a word, I've got to give it right now. Or it's in the middle of a song, middle of a sermon, and God says, no, in this verse. The spirit of the prophets is subject to the prophets. You can hold that word. You don't have to immediately give it forth. Uh, you can hold it. God's going to help you give it at the proper time in the proper way and not disrupting everything uh, by interrupting what else is going on. Those who are probably regularly used in prophecy might be called prophets. I mean, there's a false teaching that prophets died in the Old Testament. Not true at all. We see prophets operating in the New Testament times in the book of Acts. In the writings of Paul, uh, prophets are one of the important ministries, the fivefold ministry of the church. They're still prophets uh, that God uses today. They're going to be around until Jesus returns again. <clears throat> but in order to Use spiritual gifts properly. We must exercise proper judgment. Now let's talk a, a few minutes about how these gifts are used at Life Church. What is, what is the proper uh, way? At the beginning of the service, we, we begin with a time of worship, a time of praising God, a time of worshiping, worshiping the Lord, entering into the presence of the Lord. And at the end of it, uh, we have a time of reflecting, a time of silence, a time of We've been speaking to God. We want a time of listening to God. Now, during that time, God can speak to us in a number of ways. I believe God is a speaking God. I believe when we listen, when we open our ears, our spiritual ears, he will speak to us. Now, learning to hear God's voice is, is something you can grow in. But God is speaking. If we open our ears, he's going to speak to us. And he can tell us all different kinds of things. I'm not going to say what, what God, he can say all kinds of things. Uh, he can encourage us. He can convict us. He can instruct us. He can do all, speak to you all kinds of things. Just tell you that he loves you. All kinds of things God wants to speak to you if you open your ears to hear. And that's what we have uh, at the end of the worship. But it's also a time if God is giving you something or somebody else in the church a message, a message in tongues, with interpretation or prophecy, that's a time that you can do that too. And so prophecies don't simply have to be given by someone on the stage. Right? This building is small enough. Now in bigger churches, they'll get a microphone to you. Okay? But in this church, if you speak, everybody can hear you. 
Uh, praise God, right? So uh, if you get a word from God there where you're seated and you're not on the stage, uh, you can give it too. And um, that's the time, that's the time to do it. Uh, according to God's word, we can have two or three. There doesn't just have to be one prophecy. Just because one person prophesies doesn't mean that's the end. Um, and sometimes, uh, perhaps I need to be more patient and waiting to see what God would say. And uh, if you feel sometime that you had a word and you didn't have time to get it in, uh, let me know. You know, we'll make sure that we get you time to give the word that God has given to you. Now, if something is said by someone that's directly contrary to God's word, then I, as a pastor, will bring it to the attention of the church. Um, and I don't believe that's ever happened. Okay, because, but it could, it could happen. And just because someone says one thing that is wrong, uh, doesn't mean that everything they've said is, is wrong. Uh, the Bible tells us prophecies, it's not ideal, but they can be mixed. Or something from the Lord and something not from the Lord. First Thessalonians 5.20, we don't have it up here, says, Do not despise prophecies. Some people despise prophecies. That's wrong. That's, we shouldn't despise prophecies. But test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Test it. Hold fast to what is good. That implies to me there are some things not so good. Don't hold on to those. Okay, that's like, no, that, that was not from God. But the other part, that was good. That was from God. And so a prophecy can actually be mixed. And so because somebody, I mean, there's foolish things going around. Because somebody says something, prophesies something that's mixed and says one thing wrong, it doesn't mean we should stone them. You know, there's people in the Old Testament, you got one thing wrong, you're supposed to be stoned. That doesn't apply anymore. Uh, we just need to correct. And so, you know, you know, really, this is the scripture and that, that wasn't quite right, you know. And uh, just bring that to you, their attention, bring that to the church's attention and we hold fast to what is good and we don't hold fast to what is not good. But don't be afraid to prophesy. Uh, if God's giving you some, don't, oh, I might say something wrong. If God's giving it to you, just speak it out. Uh, it's... Uh, most likely, everything you say is going to be perfectly in line with God's word. Uh, if there's one little thing wrong, we will bring it out and, and you will not be embarrassed. We'll move on, move on. Trust the Lord. Speak in faith. He's going to be there to help you. So there is great blessing in spiritual gifts. As I said at the beginning, these are gifts that the creator of the universe wants to give to us to benefit our lives and to benefit his church. Every gift that God gives is a good gift. It's a wonderful gift. And we need to receive them. Unfortunately, the gifts that we're talking about are actually despised by many in the church world today. And that's wrong. That's contrary to scripture. They're very important for building up the body of Christ. And as we grow in using the gifts we talked about today, tongues and, and uh, prophecy for the most part, as we grow in those, we're also going to grow in the rest of the gifts. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 mentions the rest, the rest of the nine gifts, supernatural gifts there. The gifts of healing, 
the gifts of dis- the gift of discerning of spirits, faith, miracles, word of knowledge, word of wisdom. Those are all gifts that God wants to minister through us as we continue to seek Him for them. Don't count yourself out. God desires for every believer to be spirit baptized and to desire earnestly these spiritual gifts. And as we receive more and more from God, He's going to use us to bless more and more people for His kingdom. Of course, it all begins with becoming a, being a believer. Spiritual gifts are not offered by God to those who have not received the first gift we need to receive, the gift of salvation. That is the first step for each and every person. And I want to give everybody here an opportunity to receive that first gift, uh, the foundational gift, the most important gift that alters your eternal destiny. And you receive that gift by admitting that you've sinned, you've done wrong things, Everybody has sinned. They all fall short of the glory of God. Repenting, turning away from that sin, asking Jesus to forgive you, believing that Jesus died on the cross, that your sins might be forgiven, and he rose from the dead. He's alive today, committing your life to following him as your Lord and Savior. And so I'm going to ask everyone here and any listening to us online to bow their heads right now. And I'm going to pray a simple prayer of inviting Jesus Christ into your life. If you've never done it before, I'd encourage you to pray along with me. Or perhaps you've done it in the past, but today you want to recommit your life to Jesus Christ. And that would be perfectly wonderful as well. So let's pray together. Father, today I admit that I've sinned. I've done wrong things. I've been following my plan for my life and not yours. And I repent, I turn away from that sin. And I believe that Jesus died on the cross that my sins might be forgiven. He took my sin upon himself and paid the price. And you receive that sacrifice by raising him from the dead. Please forgive me, come into my life. I commit myself to following you as my Lord and Savior, Jesus, from this day forth forevermore. And let's pray as well, the rest of us who are believers. Father, today, we thank you for the Holy Spirit that you began to pour out on the day of Pentecost, pouring out on all who would receive it. And we pray, God, that every believer here, every believer listening to me, would seek and receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Baptized in the Holy Spirit as Jesus instructed that the Spirit would fill us in a new way. Give us that gift of prayer language, God. Give us the entrance into operating in other spiritual gifts that can be used to bless other people, that can be used to extend the kingdom of God, to build up the church. God, your word says that we should earnestly desire spiritual gifts. God, we ask for your forgiveness because we have not been following that command. We've been earnestly desiring all kinds of things that your word didn't say anything to us about. But you said earnestly desire spiritual gifts. And God, we make a commitment today to do that. 
to earnestly desire, to seek after, because there's no end to the gifts that you want to give to us to minister through the Spirit. And God, we thank you for your instructions to help us to use these gifts properly and in good order. And we pray that you would help us to do that as a church family, as in individuals. We thank you, God, for the blessing that you have for us and the exciting things that you're going to open up to us as we move into new areas in our own lives and as a church family. God, we pray for missionaries who are around the world seeking to see people saved, baptized in water, and filled with the Spirit. We especially pray for the missionaries in that island nation of Taiwan, God, going through a difficult time right now, a difficult mission field to begin with, and now all the pressure from China and the restrictions on democracy there. God, we pray that you give them wisdom. We pray that uh, the Spirit would move in their lives in supernatural dimensions, that in this difficult time for all of Taiwan, all 22 million people there, that they would turn to you, God, that many would be saved out of the ungodly religions that they are a part of there. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.